Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We had a jobs report yesterday. Top line wasn't very good, although underneath that, the household survey was actually quite strong. Unemployment's come down. Wages are going up quite a lot. And then there's what Joe Biden said. Joe Biden attacking supply-siders. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to bring in Tyler Goodspeed, great friend, former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors during the Trump administration, Hoover Institution fellow currently. Uh, first of all, Tyler, Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, Larry. How was your Australian trip last time I heard you were in Australia? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny. I may not be able to beat Novak Djokovic in uh, in a game of tennis, but at least unlike him, I can get into the into Australia. <laughs> okay. Um, so it really annoyed me. Uh, Biden speaking yesterday after the jobs report, and he says, "I'm just going to read you this quote." For too long, Republicans have thrown around terms like pro-growth and supply-side economics to drive an economic agenda that didn't deliver enough growth and supplied more wealth to those who already were very well off. All right, then from day one, my economic agenda has been different, blah, blah, blah. So you wrote a good piece of National Review Online with Kevin Hassett that, in fact, directly contradicts him uh, Trump policies, Trump tax cuts and deregulation did throw off growth and it did help the middle class the most and the lower income uh, ladder the most and that Biden's facts, as usual, are completely wrong. It's, it's, it's a false statement to say that Trump administration policies increased inequality, delivered gains that disproportionately accrued to the, the higher end of the income and wealth distribution. The facts simply contradict that. When you, when you look at real wages, when you look at real household income, when you look at real wealth, uh, the, the, the gains were biggest at the lower end of the distribution. And that was exactly what we predicted back in 2017. Right. Why is he persist in this? I mean, it's really obnoxious. You know, it's just really obnoxious um, for him to to ignore, disqualify, honest-to-God factoids, right? And and the other point you guys make, look, we all made this. You know, the, the minority groups were huge beneficiaries of these policies. Uh, you had, you know, 50-year lows in unemployment for blacks and Hispanics and Asians and so forth and women. And I think, Tyler, it's fair to say in the past other tax cuts uh, have generated the kind of prosperity that, Biden can only dream about. I mean, really, the the Reagan the Reagan tax cuts. By the way, Joe Biden voted for the Reagan tax cuts in eighty one and eighty six. How about that? Uh, but but it is just just it's just kind of annoying to me that they continue these these uh, flamboyant political uh, misstatements of facts, Tyler. Right, because you know, no matter – they throw around these words like trickle down and they throw around these words like tax cuts for the rich or tax cuts for big corporations. The reality is these, these, were, these were tax cuts – just don't take my word for it. Look at the JCT scoring of the distributional effects of, of the tax cuts in 2019, 2020, 2021. Uh, look at the Tax Foundation's analysis of the distributional impact of these tax cuts. And then look at the data. I mean, after after the 2017 tax cuts, 
for the bottom 50% of the wealth distribution, we saw real wealth gains of 28% compared mm-hmm. to 9% for the top 1%. I'm all for the, you know, I want the top 1% to, to have some gains as well. But in terms of the relative gains, it was just no contest. I mean, my response to, to this, uh, to Biden's statement yesterday was, yeah, you, you have a, a, an economic agenda that's different. Uh, it's called inflation. I mean, he inherited a non-inflationary economy. Now look at it. We're in deep trouble. That's right. I mean, so all the, the, the numbers that I just, you know, I just put out there, those were real, those are real gains, inflation adjusted. And you can look at wages. Uh, after the 2017 tax law, real wages for the bottom 10% up 8% compared to up 5% for the, the top 10%. Uh, real household income gains uh, for the bottom 10% up 7%. For the top 10%, up 6%. I mean, those are real inflation-adjusted gains. And you contrast that to 2021 when real wages actually declined on average. Mm-hmm. He'll never admit it, but those are the facts. Um, Tyler, what did you make of yesterday's uh, jobs report? So like you, dis- like, you know, I, I viewed the top-line number certainly as, as disappointing. Under the hood, I think it, there was a lot more evidence of a tight labor market, the household surveys showing pretty big gains. I think some of that could just be a bit of catch up because the household survey was actually lagging the business survey through much of 2021. Hmm. But when you look at when you look at nominal wages, when you look at vacancy rates, when you look at quit rates, when you look at the household survey, it has all the signs of a very tight labor market. But what's disappointing for me is that it's a very tight labor market while we're still 3.6 million jobs short of February 2020 and at least 6 million jobs short of where we would be had we continued a pre-pandemic trend. And I think that's because the current administration's policies just aren't incentivizing folks to come back into the labor force. Yeah, it's got to be true. I mean, um, one thing that's so troubling uh, let's talk about the quit rate for a moment. Um, people are saying the quit rate, which is 3%, is endemic, or it, it tells us that people are leaving work, but that's not tr- I mean, the quit rate isn't a bad thing. In some sense, it's a good thing, isn't it, that people are confident enough and that the workforce has sufficient power so they can leave one job and go to another job that pays more. I mean, that's a good thing, isn't it? In in the present circumstances, yes. I, I view the high quit rate as, as a sign of labor market tightness, uh, that people, most people quit a job in order to take another job. And I think that those who are employed now uh, have, have a, a fair amount of bargaining power because employers are having such a hard time finding workers. Now, where are these workers? Well, when, by my estimate, we have 1.5 million early retirements. Mm. Now, maybe some of those folks can be enticed to come back in, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen if you're promising higher marginal income tax rates down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 1.3 million Americans report still report that they didn't look for work in the past month because of the pandemic. Now, that includes all pandemic-related reasons. 
1.1 million Americans report that an adult in the household didn't look for work in the past month because of child care issues. I would point to continued school disruptions, uh, mm. remote learning as, as a factor there. Uh, so, yeah, there are, there are a lot of supply-side issues involved, I think. Yeah, I mean, so it's good that we're going to kill the bill. If the bill goes through, it's going to make all these trends worse. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the child tax credit design being being one of the foremost, right? Yeah. Uh, with no work, work requirements, that's, uh, that's a big hit to labor force uh, participation. All right, love you. Child, uh, uh, child of good work. speed. Thanks. Happy New Year. Appreciate it. Happy All right, New folks, Year. we're going to take a quick break. Other side of the break, we're going to look at the stock market. How about that? Are we worried about the stock market? I don't know. Fed tightening can't be good. We'll be right back. I'm Larry Kudlow. <laughs> 